2024, an election year like no other. From the candidates to the issues, from voter integrity and analysis, we'll discuss debates, trends, patterns, election laws, and more. This is Vote 2024, Path to the Polls. Well, at one time, he was thought to be Donald Trump's biggest nemesis, and he appeared ready to wrestle the GOP from Donald Trump's grip. A series of missteps and calculations from the get-go, and no room to make an error. Ron DeSantis dropped out of the race over eight months. There was not a lot DeSantis camp could do right. Ultimately, Trump's popularity in Arctic weather did him in. And as I said, Sunday night, Governor Ron DeSantis abandoned the presidential trail. I'm Bruce Hamilton. Thank you for joining us on this special edition of Vote 2024, Path to the Polls. I'm joined by News for Jack's political reporter, Scott Johnson. Scott, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Bruce. So there are some people who said that the announcement Sunday night came as a surprise. Both you and I have talked to News for Jack's political analyst and head of the Jacksonville University Public Policy Institute, Rick Mullaney. And Rick basically said to me he wasn't surprised it came. Maybe he's surprised it came as early as it did before New Hampshire. But he says that Ron DeSantis bowed out at a time when he could do so gracefully and maybe set his sights on 2028. And I think maybe save face a little going into uh, the next round of the primary after New Hampshire because the polling showed he could very well only get 5% in New Hampshire. That would be a political embarrassment to him if that happened. To be the guy who is supposed to be the heir apparent to Donald Trump and their GOP, he comes in a, a pretty distant second in Iowa, but if he only got 5% way behind Trump and Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, that may have been politically untenable. And I was wondering, Bruce, if that was maybe what the tipping point for DeSantis was, was I don't want that political embarrassment, that asterisk, like he can't play nationally because look how badly he did in New Hampshire. I, I think that was one of the tipping points. Uh, you know, you've got the fact that uh, he was counting on the evangelical group to come in his, his corner. They didn't seem to be responding to him. He was hoping that the uh, uh, independent voters would come into his camp. They didn't seem to be doing that. And the very fact of the matter is that he ran out of steam and he ran out of cash. You know, I was talking about some of the missteps along the way. The very first misstep was in making the announcement according to political analysts on Elon Musk's X you know, formerly yeah. known as Twitter. Then there was a whole debacle with the super PAC, and some people said that he was illegally using some of the campaign money. And he had a lot of donors who he thought were going to be in his camp. They started backing some of the other GOP candidates. And there were a number of things where he just, you know, didn't have what he needed to move forward. And there was the other thing that was the elephant in the room. He's running against Donald Trump. They're running in the same lane. They're going for the same voters. And as much as DeSantis did with his uh, re-election bid in 2022 here in Florida, winning by about 20 points or so, he was the darling of the party in early 2023. But he's still going up against the guy who's essentially still the head of the party and still more well-known to everyone. He, I mean, DeSantis may be known, but Donald Trump has 100% name recognition. Love him or hate him, his base was what DeSantis was trying to peel off. And that was a... That was a tough road to hope for him. You know, Donald Trump's a, a juggernaut here. And it's going to be curious to see where does the DeSantis vote go? And there are a lot of people who said that, you know, that DeSantis made a very calculated move when he made his concession speech. Oh, dropped out of the race yesterday. I don't know if you can yeah. call it a concession speech. Basically, he said, I'm going to keep my promise and go ahead. And I am going to go ahead and endorse Donald Trump. And that's interesting because in the waning days of the campaign, he started 
attacking Donald Trump and saying, look, he had four years, didn't keep all his promises, but now he's coming back into the fold knowing that should he run again in four years, he may very well need Donald Trump's blessing. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of out there like, what's Ron DeSantis going to do now? First, he said Saturday, we reported here over the weekend, that he told a voter in New Hampshire, I will not run for vice president. I do not want that job. Yeah, I don't want a, I don't want a position where you basically do nothing, I think was what yeah, he said. Yeah, and I was talking to A.G. Gonkarski last night on the 10 o'clock news. He's a political reporter at Florida Politics. And he said, even though he doesn't want VP, that doesn't mean he won't show up back in Washington. He had speculated a few things. Attorney General, possibly. This is if Trump wins. Let me, let me back up. This is if Trump is the nominee, because he's still going as Nikki Haley. And he does have a Harvard Law degree. He does have a Harvard Law degree, and he's got a background as a JAG lawyer in the Navy. Um, and, you know, or possibly Supreme Court was something he was talked about, if there's another vacancy on the Supreme Court. I know Clarence Thomas is getting up in years and, and others. So, I don't know, it just, it seems like... He's mending that bridge with Donald Trump that seemed to have been frayed in the primary, and we'll have to see where it goes if Trump is, in fact, the nominee. But if Nikki Haley is the nominee and pulls off a, an unexpected comeback, I don't know that they necessarily are on good terms. Now, you say that. We know a couple of things, that in the past couple of days, Donald Trump has widened the gap between he and Nikki Haley, and at one point there were single digits between them. Now it's double digits once again. But New Hampshire, when you look at it historically, is one of those states that brings about a lot of surprises. So we basically have to wait and see. Uh, this, is, this is Monday morning when we're doing this. Yeah. Dixie Notch is the first of the precincts to go ahead and vote at midnight tonight. I think there's only like seven or 12 people who vote there. But you never know what's going to happen in New Hampshire. And Nikki Haley has come into this and said, you know what? I'm very confident. You've got a much different electorate in New Hampshire than you did in Iowa. Iowa was very conservative. You've got a lot of uh, independents and a lot of undecideds in New Hampshire. Now, Donald Trump wrongly stated that Democrats can vote in this primary election. Well, the only way that a Democrat could vote is if they change their political allegiance. And one thing that will be interesting to watch is New Hampshire is Nikki Haley's, probably her best shot here. Her last shot. Her last probably shot, her to best knock shot. him off. Um, and, I, and I've heard a lot of people on the GOP side say, this is over. That's their opinion. Uh, I saw Newt Gingrich say it recently. It's over. It is Donald Trump. He has won. We're just kind of going through the motions. But the only thing I wonder about, and, and they do, I'm not saying that their points don't have merit, but the thing I'm wondering about is if Nikki Haley pulls off an upset tomorrow because DeSantis is no longer on the ballot. It's a one-on-one, -on -one and New Hampshire voters can really determine which way they want to go. What is the news cycle Wednesday morning because if Donald Trump loses a state in the GOP primary the reality is the press is going to latch on to that like nothing we've right seen and look before. look make no mistake about it there, there are two headlines that could be possible here Trump triumphs or Haley upsets yeah and and to your point um, his, his name is Whit Ayers and he is a GOP pollster and basically his point was look coming into November here there are a lot of voters who do not want to see a Trump-Biden matchup. So, you know, what kind of impact is that going to have when people go to the polls in New Hampshire? And we, as we mentioned, we do have to wait and see. Um, may it make South Carolina, Super Tuesday, Florida, and the rest of the primaries irrelevant? I don't know. And the other thing is, is Nikki Haley has got something DeSantis didn't. 
all the financial backing that was going to DeSantis moved to Haley. And a lot of the primary is about sustaining this state to state to state, having the just the money to physically move yourself around from state to state to put ads on TV stations and radio ads and mailers in South Carolina and Nevada, which people overlook, which is coming up. And she's actually. the former governor of South Carolina. She's That's her former turf. governor of South Carolina. So she has a lot of money to keep this going. Will she? Will it be enough to really damage Donald Trump in the GOP primary? I don't know. I don't know that anyone knows. The, the reality most people believe is Trump will be the nominee, but she's got a lot of money, and now she's got the thing that we've never seen in this primary, a head-to-head face-off, one-on-one versus Donald Trump. Yeah, that will be the interesting You thing. mentioned those GOP donors. That's one of the things that Ron DeSantis counted on, and it was one of his miscalculations. A lot of those GOP donors left Ron DeSantis, and they left him for a couple of reasons, because they'd listened to his, his speeches. They became almost rote, and they needed a, a thesaurus to figure out what he was talking about. He always said the same thing in the same way in an almost robotic manner. And, and then they started to wonder about his, um, well, basically his agenda, you know, and some of the things that he was doing here in Florida. So some of the people that he was depending on for financial support started abandoning him for other candidates like Nikki Haley. So how is that going to play in the future? Again, we have to adopt a wait-and-see attitude. Yeah, and it was interesting to see DeSantis was the darling of the party one year ago at this time. Mm -hmm. Like, he was the heir apparent to Trump, and many people thought he would be able to uh, put Trump out to pasture, so to speak, in the GOP side of things and be the new head of the party. That did not materialize. And, and a good thing is, look at Iowa. Iowa is going to, a lot of that evangelical core who votes in that caucus is going to gravitate toward DeSantis's agenda, but he didn't get the numbers. He still lost the Trump by 30 points. And at the end of the day, if you can't beat Trump, you can't be the nominee of the party. And he tried to distance himself from Trump. Trump called him desanctimonious, and they would go back and forth, but at the end of the day, he couldn't get over that hump. Yeah, and there are those who say, you know what, why are we even bothering with New Hampshire that this is already over? Sure. All right, this morning on uh, The Morning Show, this Monday morning, I talked with Daniel Cronrath. He's a, a, a political science professor at Florida State College, Jacksonville, and he had this take on Ron DeSantis, well, just saying no more on the presidential campaign trail. Well, at one point, he appeared to be Donald Trump's most daunting challenger, but his campaign ran out of steam, as you just heard. Steam, support, and money. Ron DeSantis ended his struggling bid before this week's New Hampshire primary. Joining me on The Morning Show, Daniel Cronrath, political science professor at FSCJ. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here. So uh, a face-saving move and perhaps really not a big surprise given after Iowa and certainly New Hampshire, he didn't really have a chance. Well, it, you know, from the very beginning of this campaign, it was going to be an uphill slog for Governor DeSantis. I think that one of the things that we need to look back at this race when Governor DeSantis got in, uh, when uh, uh, Ambassador Haley got into the race, this was always Donald Trump's race to lose in the Republican Party. It, it really was. He, within the Republican base, he was a very, very popular former president of the United States. He had all kinds of polling advantages, despite the fact that when there was, there was a, a, an initial surge and a, a little rush of energy to Governor DeSantis when he initially got into the race. I think pragmatically, we knew this at the time. It's borne out now that this was really always Donald Trump's race to lose. And, and what, even reflectively looking back, what could Governor DeSantis have done differently? 
you know, you can always prognosticate looking backwards. But at the end of the day, I suspect historically that we're always going to view this as the race that Donald Trump was destined to win. But, but there are some people who thought that at one time he was a, a legitimate threat to Donald Trump, but he experienced a number of miscalculations. What do you think were some of his biggest missteps? Maybe starting with the way he announced the start of his campaign? Well, yeah, certainly the launch with Elon Musk was very was problematic at best. Whenever you're doing anything with Elon Musk, you never really know how that's going to come out at the end of the day. Um, I think that when you're dealing with somebody like a Donald Trump, who is very, very charismatic, the DeSantis campaign was probably allowed no more than one misstep of some sort of kind. And the reality is, is that when you are stepping out of the state, regardless of Florida being a state of 21 million people, when you are leaving your state environment and you are stepping onto the national stage for the first time, there are going to be things that take place uh, and issues that you have to navigate as a campaign and as a candidate, which are going to be new and first time and alien to you. That being said, all of this was magnified by the fact that Governor DeSantis was going against, uh, and we've talked about this previously, Bruce, you know, within my lifetime of following politics, there have been three politicians that have had just kind of an outworldly way in which they conduct themselves. Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, and Donald Trump. You know, whenever you get them into an environment, depending upon who they're targeting, uh, Donald Trump to the Republican Party remains as popular a figure as he was when he was first elected. And that's just something that Governor DeSantis and, and, and Ambassador Haley have not been able to overcome in this race. So Donald Trump says, I made Ron DeSantis, but Ron DeSantis became a, a very bitter rival, yet he turns around and endorses him. Any surprise, or is that just politics? That's just politics. I mean, let's remember in 2016, and we can, we can look back at this, when Donald Trump was in a bitter and hotly contested primary debate with Ted Cruz, if you'll recall, Donald Trump literally took to social media and called Ted Cruz's wife Heidi ugly on social media. Had Ted Cruz publicly come out and repudiate Trump, uh, use foul language with Trump, say, hey, please don't call my wife that, by the way, in stronger language, and months later was phone banking for Donald Trump. So this is just the nature of politics. I think strategically that Governor DeSantis did the right thing to protect his future interests in politics, despite the fact that right now within his inner circle, within the DeSantis family, there's, listen, Bruce, the one thing that whether you're a Republican or a Democrat running for office is hard. You put yourself out there, you put your family out there, and there's going to be a lot of emotions in the days and weeks to come that they're going to have to deal with that every candidate deals with. But I think the one thing that they're going to look as a positive for their future career is that the day that they got out of the race, that they took the time to acknowledge that Donald Trump was the leader of the party and to squarely get behind Donald Trump. And the reason I say that, that must have been a bitter pill for the DeSantis campaign to do, but pragmatically they did the right thing politically in doing that knowing full well that he probably wants to run again in 2028. And that said, let me go to a quote, because in announcing the end of his campaign, DeSantis said something that he attributed to Winston Churchill. The quote was, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. Trouble is, there's no evidence that the World War II leader ever said that. Uh, another DeSantis misstep? Couldn't tell you. I, I, listen, Winston Churchill said a lot of things. He's kind of like Mark Twain, if you think about it. Every time you turn around, there's a new quote being attributed yeah. to Winston Churchill. I had never seen that. But, you know, listen, I think at the end of the day, perhaps that's symbolic of the campaign. Perhaps it's not. I think what Governor DeSantis needs to do now for his political career, you, you said it best. Uh, this is a guy that, in terms of our modern politics, is a whippersnapper, Bruce. He's a young man with a young family. He's in his 40s. He's got a lot of political career ahead of him. I think that if he gets in line with President Trump, I think if he comes back, if he continues to appeal to his Florida base, which, by the way, half of the state will be continue to be really riled up with what the governor does. The Republicans here in Florida will continue to love Governor DeSantis. There could be 
easily another chapter in Governor DeSantis's national political career, depending upon how well he gets behind uh, President Trump and how that plays out. The one thing that I would also say, too, about President Trump, despite the fact that he approaches a lot of individuals with rancor and division, President Trump politically is, is very pragmatic. If you look at some of the individuals, if you'll recall back in 2016, President Trump had a nickname from ev for everybody, from Lion Ted Cruz to uh, uh, Low Energy Jeb and uh, Senator Marco Rubio. I think he had a diminutive name for him. But Trump has come back, and he's healed, and he's welcomed all of these people into his party, into his brand. So I, I don't think that this is the, the, this is the end his, of his brand of politics. I'm up against the clock, but I've got sure, to ask sorry. you. Yeah. Before November, does Ron DeSantis stump for Trump, or does he just govern Florida? He'll be stumping for Trump in no time flat. Uh, I think in Florida, perhaps even nationally at certain venues. Now, the one thing that we should be very quick of is, does this mean the end for former Ambassador Haley? We will have to see. The polls right now give Governor Trump a decided advantage. What I would say of this is that New Hampshire is a perfect storm for Nikki Haley. The fact that it's an open primary, the fact that you've been able to narrow this down to a two-person race, the fact that you are invested as heavily as she has been in New Hampshire. If former Ambassador Haley cannot get within double digits of Trump in New Hampshire, then I think that her exit, too, uh, is being foretold right now as, as we diagnose this. And that said, you know, New Hampshire is always full of surprises. Always. So. We just do have to wait and see. All righty. Want to remind you, vote 2024 Path to the Polls, special edition live this morning. Join me for that streaming series. You can watch it live on our YouTube channel, newsforjacks.com, and News for Jacks Plus. That's again coming up at 1030. All right, of course, this is uh, the program you're watching right now. And, you know, Scott, I've got to wonder out loud. Uh, you, you and I talked about some of the reasons that Ron DeSantis wrapped things up when he did right now. I wonder if the GOP leadership just basically said, you know what, this is a sign that we want to just put all our, all our eggs in one basket and give them to Donald Trump. Go ahead and do it now so we can have one candidate on the trail and give the GOP the decided advantage. And is he rewarded for that in the future? One thing that fascinates me about the DeSantis question is, is he making calculations for his future? He is younger than almost all of them. He's 45 years old, so he's got a lot of time left. But I don't know where it goes from here. There's a lot of theories. So he's only got, I want to say, three years left as governor. So he's almost to the point of being a lame duck governor. And by lame duck, I mean the, the campaign to replace him will begin in the next in a year. year, year and a half. Yeah. yeah, so that's going to happen, and no one's really going to be paying attention because they'll be focused on the presidential race for the next year. Um, and then where does he go? I mean, does he run for Senate? I don't know that he'd run against Marco Rubio, who's in his own party. Would Trump put him in the cabinet? Does he do something else to just gin up? excitement for a run in 28 because Trump's only going to, if he won, or Biden, if he won, it's only going to be four years. Eventually that, that 2028 campaign is probably going to be starting about two years from now. Yeah, I, I think for the next uh, foreseeable six, seven months that he worries about Florida's agenda, stumps for Trump, and then we do find him in Washington in some sort of a position. I do want to point this out. This was interesting from A.G. Gunkarski, uh, the Florida politics uh, uh reporter there and he told me this was interesting about DeSantis when he comes back to Florida because DeSantis has been a very big culture warrior in the state he's he's hit those very difficult subjects possibly because he's going to run for president uh, that would be the transgender issue that would be a lot of the school curriculum issues that picking a fight with Disney all that type of stuff Ginkarski speculated he may come back and moderate a little because he it's not running for president right now. It's, you know, this is, this is, this, I, th I think you just read my mind because I think 
when we see Ron DeSantis come back on the presidential campaign trail, and notice I didn't say if, when we sure. see him come back in yeah. 2028, I think you'll see a very different Ron DeSantis because I think there's some lessons learned. Even he admitted, just was it last week, look, I probably shouldn't have just talked with the conservative media. I should have talked to the mainstream media as well. He has been criticized for, you know, constantly harping on certain words like woke and, and the whole COVID situation and things like that. He is going to have to moderate his stance on some things. And in 28, it's going to be so hugely different than what we saw. There will be no Donald Trump. And it will probably, every Republican you can think of with a national platform is probably going to try to run for president. So it's going to be, I'm, I mean, remember that some of those years, those election cycles pass where we see like 16 people on the stage all jockeying for position. And without Donald Trump to, you know, suck all the attention in the room toward him, uh, it will be interesting to see how that goes. And if DeSantis, because last year he was very popular with his base and he got a lot of attention. Will he be able to still get that attention in two years? We'll have to see. And who would the Democrats field? Yes, you know, which and would they're be going to be going variable. through the exact same thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, is there some, because the, I think there's a thirst in America for a younger, more vibrant politician, um, you know, on, on both sides of the aisle. And they want somebody who is, and I don't, I don't think the term Republican and Democrat really defines those parties as they did in the past. I think that the American public wants somebody different. And uh, Nikki Haley yesterday, she was asked by Dana Bash of CNN, um, and we ran that soundbite here at Channel 4, uh, you know, who, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to drop out? She's like, I'm not going to drop out. I'm going to win this. And then she, this is what she pointed out. She goes, look, polling shows 70% of voters don't want a Biden-Trump rematch. If that's remotely accurate, that polling number, it does show that there is that thirst to move on, but it may not be happening this election cycle. She's not going to drop out unless she loses by a large margin, unless the GOP leadership says to her, look, it's time. And I do want to mention something because I pulled up the, the calendar because everyone's so focused on mm -hmm. Nevada, or not Nevada, excuse me, New South Hampshire Camp, tomorrow, yeah. that you got to... We're going to have a large gap. So we've got Nevada and the Virgin Islands on um, the 8th of February. So that'll be a couple weeks away. And South Carolina is not until the end Carolina of the month. South Carolina the 24th. But after South Carolina, if Nikki Haley is still in it, then it gets crazy. Super Tuesday. So you got Super Tuesday within days of South Carolina. You've got Michigan, Idaho, Missouri, Washington, D.C., North Dakota. Super Tuesday with 16 states. Then it finally gets to us in Georgia and Florida. But if she holds through South Carolina and can still be a viable candidate, then we're really going, the rubber's really going to meet the road as all these states vote in a short amount of but time. But if you listen to a lot of the political pundits, and this is not me, a lot of the political pundits say, look, we're, we're not going to get that far. Yeah. You know, those primaries are going to be irrelevant. And let me go back to, I, I mentioned Whit Ayers, uh, a longtime GOP pollster a little while ago. He says, the entire issue is this fundamental. The entire GOP is defined by their attitude toward Donald Trump. Do you want to stay with him or go with somebody different? Is what happens going forward in this primary that simple? And I think the answer is yes. Scott, it's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure, Bruce. Thanks for having me on. And then we have another streaming edition of Vote 2024. Path to the polls tomorrow at 1030. I'm joined by News for Jack's political analyst and head of the Jacksonville University Public Policy Institute, Rick Mullaney. We're going to talk more about New Hampshire. What can happen there? What kind of surprises? What kind of upsets? 
More than 24, 36 hours will have passed since Ron DeSantis left the campaign trail. Will Nikki Haley have changed the way she politics? Will she have picked up more support? Will Donald Trump widen the gap? What are the implications? We find out. So join me right here on Vote 2024. You can watch on our News for Jacks YouTube channel, newsforjacks.com, and News for Jacks Plus. We appreciate your time. See why every day more people are choosing News for Jacks, Northeast Florida, and South Georgia's number one source for local news.